2: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts three, two, one. Now happy Monday night. Hope y'all had an awesome, awesome weekend. I moved over the weekend. Yep, hired movers, um, trying to keep trying to keep people working, also uh, moving into a new place. I'll tell you, new place, new energy, new vibes, posted something on my IG, y'all were very loving. Um, yeah, not the best time to have to, to move, but um, it had already kind of been planned and needed to happen, so... Anyway, here it is. Uh, (laughs) It definitely improves my mood. Uh, So anyway, doing recordings from home still for Loveline. So, you know, hope you're all checking out my other show, though. I'm listening Stay Connected Monday through Friday on all the Radio.com handles. It's been really kind of cool doing that. It's been hard managing both. Uh, It's a lot, you know, I'm still seeing my patients. It's it's, it's a lot of um, emotional and psychological labor, right? You know, but luckily I love the work I do and I love the things I talk about. And again, mental health covers everything. I don't think that there's anything that isn't mental health-based. Anything that involves a human being, it's mental health-based. It somehow is born out of our mental health, impacts our mental health. That's why I had some people say, oh, wow, your show's gotten very political. It's like, okay, it's always been, but everything's political. Mental health is political. When we use a diagnosis that's political, we're inherently saying that someone's perspective is more powerful than someone else's. Mental health is rooted in white cis heterodynamics. It was created for them, by them, about them. And it's been applied ubiquitously, that's political, right? And that's why there's feminist psychology, queer psychology, LGBTQIA, affirmative psychology, things that are trying to challenge and push back. There's indigenous studies, there's um, anti-racism work. I mean, we're just really starting to kind of challenge everything, but everything is political, literally anything involving human beings. So of course I talk about the the president and the and the white house and what's going on over there and you know local and federal politics. That that impacts our mental health. The president is actively rolling back protections for LGBTQIA people. How is that not a mental health issue? That literally spikes anxiety, depression and suicide rates. Their mental health care is on the line. How how do I not address that when talking about mental health? That is not possible. And if that's a problem for you then you really need to look Look at where your care and compassion lie that you don't care about damage done to other human beings, like period, end of story, because mental health is tied to care and compassion. Um, All the diagnoses have in it any 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 disregard for our impact on another human being or their their, you know, humanity is sociopathy. It's narcissism. It's oppositional defiant disorder. It's all these different pieces. So the work in mental health it really is about considering how we impact others and thinking in a more relational way. Um, but lots of news going on. Let's talk about this one. In Indiana, restaurants offering a drag side pickup during quarantine. I love this. We were talking about Boober, which was um, sex workers delivering food, somewhat topless. And now we talked about how that place is now doing drive through strip. I love this. It's called Fiddlehead Restaurant, and they're making the best out of a bad situation. So anyway, you can get some drag side pickup during quarantine. Keep people employed. It might be a fun thing to do with the family. Get your family together in the car, drive, see the drag queens. If you're in Portland, go see the dancers. It's for all couples. I saw a bunch of hetero couples driving through in some of the videos for the um, Portland-based uh, strip club, pickup food. I think that's awesome. Sex positive, body positivity. Love that. NHS. Um, so, a sex toy company in the UK is petitioning to get the Department of Health here in the you know over in the UK to prescribe masturbation to uh, excuse me prescribe mast- masturbation to patients for alleviating stress. I love that. Sex is medicine. Sex has a lot of healing capacities. It's a right brand activity. It's just like yoga and reading and stretching, taking a bath, masturbation and sex. Throw it in there. There's no. Reason not to talk about or to see it as such people get bent out of shape i prescribe porn it's a lot of beautiful things that come out of that people seeing different kinds of body learning more about their sexuality normalizing diversity it's a way for a hypersexual partner to maybe honor their monogamous commitments it's a way for a couple to bring others into their sex life in a in a more comfortable way for them all sorts of beautiful things. It's also stunning to learn about your partner through the masturbation they look at. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. So I really hope that that does happen. Um, I prescribe sex and masturbation. It would be great if my field would honor that more. I haven't heard any universities doing that yet. So that's something that I would love to see changing. Trudeau in Canada love this banning assault style weapons I wish that would happen here in the US no one needs an assault style weapon and again look I'm not about government control but there are certain things that for me are kind of black and white and I put people's health and safety first and so I am supportive of that which is shocking to some people because yeah my politics can skew a little anarchist because I think the government traditionally doesn't necessarily look out for minority based individuals of any kind whether it's race sexual orientation gender expression (laughs) So, you know, again, we got to be really thoughtful about them weighing in. Also, celebrities love this one. Check this out. They spell out, we are all in this together. With their yachts. Talk about tone deaf and some classism. Um, no one needs to be reminded we're in this together. How about you use your money to help people that can't pay their rent, healthcare, or getting their food uh, and dietary needs met? How about that? Um, like, n- no thank you. No one wants to see you sing a song or do that with your yacht. Like, how ridiculous. You really think that puts a smile on someone's face? So that's what the world needs? God bless that stuff. Um, also, we got a whole ruckus going on at these beaches. And also, I was looking at some of the photos in New York City at the pier. People are not social distancing. They're still staying close together. Look, I get it, y'all. It's tough, but heartbroken when I'm seeing people I know that have died and frontline workers that have become infected or are scared and looking at photos of all the people on respirators still. Look, this isn't over. And I want to get back to life as much as I can as well. So we got we to gotta do better about following the rules. That's where the mental health falls in, right? We're, we're thinking about the greater good, not just ourselves. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about relational health, the difference between chemistry and compatibility. A lot of people don't know there's a big difference and also a better perspective on why we even enter romantic relationships. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Love Line with Dr. Chris on channel Q. All right, we're back and we're going to talk about something that I think is really important. And this is, this comes up all the time in my practice and it's about compatibility and chemistry. And just even the whole purpose of relationship. Listen, I am a couples and sex therapist. I also come from a relational paradigm. We are nothing but relational beings. Our brain and nervous system, their health depend upon relationship. We're constantly in relationship, literally, by spending time with people around us or talking to them. We're also always in relationship, if not literally, but symbolically, whereas we are held by them. We are thinking about them. They are still symbolically with us. Our mind is being reminded of them so even when we are isolated we are still symbolically in relationship to people it still exists in theory we still think about them we still know that they're present so we wait we might be working alone um, at the office or home or in our cubicle or our office but again we're still relational beings in relationship it's just there's moments away now having said that when we talk about romantic relationships I want to remind everyone that the whole purpose of that is to bring a new level into your life, a new level of intimacy via sexuality, eroticism and romanticism. It's as important as our other relationships. It's another level of connection to a person. It's another level of connection to ourselves it's a another way to bond and get close to someone. It's important. Do we need it? Yeah, I I would say that we do actually, but we don't need it to the point of we should just settle with what we have or find something that's good enough. I like the use of good enough in a positive spin, but I think that there's a negative vision and version of that. And I think it should more be about what is compatible or what is chemistry in our lives. We shouldn't be doing that much work on them. Relationships take work for sure, but they shouldn't be toxic or exhausting. And there are some couples where the work is just toxic or exhausting and we should we don't have to have them to that extent. So if your relationship is just nothing but work, then you have to ask yourself, why am I doing it? Why am I in a relationship that requires this much work? So I can just be in a relationship that requires this much work. So you're in it for the work. If you're using it in a transformative way, I guess that's that's the one piece that's really valuable, but otherwise ask yourself, to what end or for what purpose. Relationships should be brought in because they make us better. They benefit us. And I don't mean that in a capitalistic way as in, what do I get? But because they make us feel better, they bring us joy, they bring us happiness. There's someone to witness the world with. So again, like I talk all the time about self-care, relationships and sex should at least leave us neutral, if not make us better while requiring some work, but they shouldn't exhaust us, burn us out and make our lives negative. We, we don't need them to the extent where we should allow them to make our lives worse off so really apply that so what does that leave us with compatibility compatibility is what happens when our personalities come together it has nothing to do with attraction or chemistry or passion it is this literal bare bones when our personalities come together are we soothed or are we triggering when we come together do we do we fit together well do we enjoy a lot of the same things do we have respect for who each other is what is our baseline at our baseline when we are you know sitting on the couch talking out for dinner making plans um going through our day to day how does that feel does it feel good? Or does it feel like a lot of work? Does it feel good and connected? Or does it feel like a lot of disconnection? When we encounter struggles, do we manage them well? Or do they go on and move into maybe emotional or physical violence? Because that means you're not compatible. Uh, What happens when our personalities come together? The second piece that's outside of that is chemistry. And chemistry is just that bare bones. I see you. I want to have sex with you. I'm drawn to you. I'm turned on by you. I want to consume you. I want to touch you. I want to undress you. That's the fire and the passion. And those are two separate things. Great. If you have them both, that is the goal. That is what creates magic and one holds you in place when the others may be not there. But if you only have compatibility, which means there's no chemistry, there's no fire, there's no passion, but we're compatible. We get along. We like the same things. Um, our personalities match well, well, then you'll never have a lot of passion or fire in your life. And it's up to you. You know, this isn't right or wrong. This is just your own assessment, but some couples that's their whole relationship. They're more like roommates. Cool, do your thing. Uh, that won't work well, though, for people that are really interested in eroticism and sexuality. You'll be frustrated. And so maybe that's someone who should just be your friend if you're someone who does want that fire, passion, and sexuality. Because I can't, as a sex therapist, create chemistry. I can try to prove upon the level of chemistry that's there and help people manage it, work with it, but I can't create it. Now, on the reverse side, if you have no compatibility, but a lot of chemistry, the sex is awesome, you're really attracted to them, you're drawn to them, you will have fire and passion, but you won't deal with conflicts well. And you will never necessarily feel really attended to when you're maybe moving through the world with them, right? And so one is about, and that's why, like, again, I want couples to have both, but what comes into my office are struggles on both ends. And just because you have chemistry and you're attracted to them and enjoy having sex with them doesn't mean you can create compatibility. Sometimes your personalities, your issues, your historical traumas, it just doesn't allow it. And so for people that are just chemistry based, they're better off as just, sex partners because the day-to-day they don't manage well, they don't manage conflict well. And I see these things coming in all the time. So just really kind of try to assess those two things um, and look at what is your goal of having another person brought into your life. And remember that relationships are allowed to change and grow. What what felt compatible or what had chemistry year one, year two, year three might not be how it is year four, year five, year six. So that's why I always say every year a couple should sit down and say, how's this last year been? Do we want to keep doing this? What, what should we change? Uh, what did we like about last year or not like? And is this something that's still working for us. Uh because again, we're not in relationships to make ourselves miserable. Um all right, question night it's up on our love line energy page listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel q and radio.com. Love Line. Love, love, love line. line. Love Line. Love Line. Love Line. This is Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Now let's go to James Q. Simmons, nurse practitioner and founder of Ask the NP and family member of the show. How are you, James? Hello. I'm doing very well, Dr. Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. So, my first question is for those of us that have been tracking the news, what the heck is going on right now?
2: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have a little bit of a credibility problem going on. It's something else, isn't it? You know, I, I actually, you know, I, I just did a video for kind of the people who follow my my feed and, and other places about how I think we're we're in this really interesting time and place right now where I think it's really important for everyone to just kind of slow down and breathe. The, the number of conspiracy theory videos that people have sent me just in the last four or five days has just skyrocketed because there are so many other individuals out there who are saying it's all been a lie it's all a hoax um the media has been lying to you you know death rates are wrong all of these different things there's a reason all those people were out on the beaches in california and other places and and i think we've gotten to that point now where everyone is so itchy to get out everyone's so anxious to get back to normal and we are, you know you know this dr Kaiser. our brains try to fill in the gaps when we can't make logical connections our brain fill those in. And sometimes those manifest as dreams. And sometimes those manifest as memories that are not necessarily true. You know, a lot of our memories are false, because we fill in the gaps of things we can't remember. And I think we're doing the same thing now. I think everyone is just like, Oh, I got to fill in the gap for this. And and this thing that's not happening to me, it's happening in New York, or it's happening in New Orleans. But I live in Kansas, why do I not have a job? Why can't I not pay my rent? Oh, they've been lying to me this whole time. Okay, that makes sense. And then they run with it. And it's, what it's starting to do is make this whole fear culture that we're in right now. It's starting to really amp that up. And it's, it's frankly pretty scary.
1: Yeah. And, and I was looking at the stats just today out of LA County and it kind of took the wind out of me listening to everything you just said and looking at some of the towns and cities that have been opening up slowly. Um, so mayor Garcity, our mayor here in uh, Los Angeles County said that COVID-19 is now the county's leading cause of death. And mm. we had 22, I'm sorry, 29 deaths today, 942 Mm -hmm. total. It's a big number.
2: It it is a big number. What I will say about LA County, which is really great, is that we have sort of this peak that we were talking about having in LA County never really peaked, which is great. We flattened the curve officially, but what that means is it's going to draw this out. And so, while we're still getting numbers of individuals who are dying from COVID-19, and it's still a number, I think one is uncomfortable, right? But, but the numbers of people who are dying on a daily basis are uncomfortable, it's, it's getting better. It's not skyrocketing up, which is why, even in places like New York, you see Governor Cuomo is talking about okay, we got to start having these conversations about what are going to be our plans to reopen and how is that going to look. And I think the experiment here in California, or at least in certain counties in California this weekend, was well, let's open the beaches because it's very hot. And maybe people can maintain some sort of social distancing on the beaches. And as you can tell, and I don't know if the the viewers and listeners saw, people did not maintain social distancing on the beaches this weekend.
1: Yeah, they definitely did. And I was also looking at the photos from Atlanta and, you know, the gay community was out tight and strong at the gay bars. I saw photos of (laughs) people's house parties, no masks, everyone bumping into each other. So so connect that to something you said a minute ago. We want to celebrate that we didn't have to hit the peak and that we're flattening, but we don't want to take that celebration I guess out into the streets or into the beach
2: yet. It's we're just not there yet. We we really aren't. And as difficult as it may be to hear that and to really sort of accept that, um, I get it. I'm just as anxious. I you know I the only times I leave my house are to go to the hospital to work, um, and so or you know to the grocery store like everybody. And I'm I'm getting just as anxious as everyone else. But I think this is one of those situations where if we can almost rationalize, if you will, if we buckle down and hang on for a few more weeks and do this the right way and give our our elected officials and and everyone else the public health officials a chance to really ramp up testing which is going to be so key then we can sort of go back to our normal lives but until we have an opportunity where we can test almost everyone and then the only people who are getting isolated are the sick and then everyone else gets to go live their lives or we get an antibody test And we can confirm that the presence of antibodies is protective because I'm not sure if you saw the WHO announcement last week, but the WHO was saying simply having the presence of antibodies in COVID-19 so far is not necessarily proving protective against reinfection. It's too early for us to know. So we we really have to get to a place where we can ramp up testing, test everyone, those who are infected asymptomatic or not, it doesn't matter. Those who are infected have to quarantine for two weeks, at least until they run the course through of their disease. Everyone else gets to go out. That's As far as I can, I can tell in my professional experience, that's the model that's going to have to happen before we should be back out in the gay bars as much as I miss them.
1: (laughs) And that's why, like in my field, we're using the word healthy anxiety or protective anxiety. You know, we don't want people to be panicking, but you have to have just enough anxiety that this is a Mm -hmm. real thing and Mm -hmm. things are still possible to kind of keep yourself at home. Because that's a question I keep getting asked is like, when is this going to end? And San Francisco, certain counties up there have just extended the stay at home through May. I mean, so they're hitting like the June one already. So I guess it's going to depend. So let's talk about something else that just made headlines. Um, This is coming out of the UK, the first patients injected with the vaccine. And they said, and this was interesting, they're 80% sure it's going to work. What are your thoughts on that?
2: So there, uh, what a lot of people don't know about vaccines is that we usually parallel path this, meaning there are lots of individuals who work on vaccines at one time, because most vaccines don't work. So you've got to have a bunch of people working on vaccines at one time until you make the right tweaks and adjustments to get it to a place where then, oh, we found a vaccine that works. And there's a certain threshold that well, kind of public health officials, epidemiologists, infectious disease experts have for a vaccine to work. So it has to be protective a certain percentage of the time. And that's when we deem, all right, this this vaccine gets the stamp of approval. So there are several organizations working on vaccines right now. Oxford University in the UK seems to be the leader, if you will. It's not necessarily a competition, but they seem to be the ones that are leading because they were already working on a vaccine in development for a similar SARS coronavirus and they had already were at a step where they were moving to human trials. So they were had moved it away from primate trials and they were moving it toward human trials. Well, they were already so far ahead of other organizations that they could just kind of make tweaks to their vaccine and then start to give it. So there, you know, some reports, the New York Times actually reported that that Oxford University vaccine, the one that's kind of leading the pack right now, could be available on mass quantities as early as September.
1: That's what I read as um, well.
2: Yeah, I I feel like it's that's really aggressive just knowing how vaccines work. But I also know that we're in unprecedented times. And so this is nothing's typical. It's reasonable to to ascertain that Oxford University and other organizations might actually pour all of their resources into this one vaccine if that one shows the the best uh, propensity to make it, if you will. James Q. Simmons, thank you so much.
1: We'll see you soon, I'm sure. Have
2: My pleasure, absolutely. Thanks,
1: Dr. Chris, you too. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Loveline with Dr. Chris on channel Q. All right, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I was seeing this guy about a month. Oh, I've seen this guy. And about a month into dating, we started having sex. And that was when I discovered he had premature ejaculation. I wasn't angry or anything like that. Just really confused. A week or so later, we tried having sex again, and it was okay-ish. I didn't orgasm. Then a week or so after that, we tried again, and he once again couldn't keep it for more than a minute. I was hugely disappointed. I told him that my love language was physical touch and I had a high sex drive and I wanted more, even if he was finished. Oral, etc. <laughs> I like that you provide that. He got really offended and broke up with me, but the problem is I still really have feelings for him and would like to be with him. What do you think I should do to get him back? Ooh, that's actually the surprise twist. I didn't think that's where this was headed. Okay, I wanna say just a couple things. I'm glad you weren't angry that, that he ejaculated uh, prior to your comfort level because we don't have control over that. And I work with clients on getting comfortable in their body and if their body takes a long time or shorter or longer, it is what it is. We all have different levels of arousal and different nervous systems and all these different forces come together and we don't have control and I don't want us to. I will not work with clients on learning how to go up against their body because it's body shaming, it's body negative, and it actually spikes the anxiety and that actually works against the goal. Some people last longer, some people are quicker. Sex is a wide variety of things and it shouldn't be rooted in penetration only, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is. So I I applaud you for being mature enough to understand that it's not personal when someone can't or does too soon or their erections don't last in the way that you wanted. Yeah. Sex is disappointing. Sometimes I'm disappointed that some people aren't flexible enough or whatever it is. That's life, you know? So Yeah, that's how it is. To be with some people means they might ejaculate sooner than you want, deal with it, be mature. That's life. Okay, now we got that out of the way. (laughs) Um, Your love language, physical touch, and you have a high sex drive. Awesome. There are so many things we can do to engage in sexuality because sex is about what? Fun and pleasure, intimacy and connection. And that does not always require an erection or a penis or even penetration. Adult healthy sexuality knows that. Okay, so what can you do to get them back? Well, most likely, as a penis owner in this culture who has come most likely, you know, with multiple partners too soon, he has a lot of shame and guilt about it. You reinforce that. I tell people, you don't bring it up. We don't get to comment on people's bodies. So I would apologize. Let them know that you are mature sexually. You know that everyone has a different kind of length of time that they last or don't last. It doesn't matter. You enjoy him and ask him to hang out again. You know, there it is. Slide the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms. Because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, couples therapy. Listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com.
0: Love Line
1: with Dr. Chris
0: on Channel Q.
1: Now we're going to be joined by Talinda Bennington. How are you? Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Of course, I want to start off by congratulating you. The 2020 Mental Health Awareness—I'm sorry, 2020 Mental Health Ambassador Award from D.D. Dee Dee Hearst Center. That's phenomenal. Congratulations.
0: Oh, thank you. It feels—it—it it, it is a big honor. It feels strange to be awarded for doing you know, for just sharing my story and doing what I think is the right thing to do. But I, 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 uh, I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And thank you for starting to do what the work is, which is normalizing, hearing about and talking about a mental health. So I always like asking our guests right off the bat, how is your mental health?
0: <laughs> well, um, today it's good. I mean, as, um, you know, as I think that everybody can probably relate to is it, It definitely changes day by day, Um, You know, sometimes even hour by hour, but today's been a good day for me. How about for you?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. It's actually not common that people ask me that back. It's good. Like you said, it's hour by hour, day by day, but kind of like what we're talking about tonight, I'm trying to really focus on self-care as a way to just um, help me buffer against some things that are going to be coming down the road, get me more comfortable talking about things. so this campaign that you're part of, the 320 Changes Direction, it helps families support those that are struggling with mental health. I think it's really powerful because mental health, our mental health, those around us, it all impacts each other. Do you see that happening in your own life and family?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, from, from the smallest things, you know, just from, from giving one another, you know, a hug or a kind word or a phone call to, you know, greater active support. Um, you know, really um, reaching deep and asking, you know, some, a loved one if they're okay and how you're doing and um, knowing that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to talk about that. I feel like um, it, that's just the most basic idea, but it's so impactful.
1: Yeah, it's huge. We've talked about this before on the show that often people feel as though they're only allowed to share the successes or the positive aspects of their day. And that's real. That's honest, but sometimes it's actually not honest. And when you share with others, your struggles, it often makes us feel comfortable sharing ours back with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean who doesn't love some authenticity in their life? Right. And for me personally, when I, um, and I open up and I'm vulnerable, I, I, I it, it's just that it's being vulnerable but it also makes me feel stronger because I can speak my truth and when somebody comes back you know to me with their authenticity and their truth it you know makes you feel closer it makes you feel better it, um, I know it does for me at least
1: yeah and i want that for everyone and that's why i don't ever want the message to be that we should shame those that aren't able or willing to do that but i want us to kind of push on each other's boundaries a little bit and and try to have relationships in our lives where we can be that intimate and drop into that kind of depth and when someone says to you you know how are you you can honestly sit and tell them because that might start that conversation where you're able to share with them i need help i'm not doing well at all
0: yeah that's a really great point um uh, and thanks for bringing that up because you know we oftentimes just casually ask like, "Hey, how are you?" and before the other person even like replies, we're already speaking about whatever it like it is that we need to tend to or the business that we have to to do with you know. And um, I think it it really like brings us back and stops us. Um, and makes us really value the other person's time and, and words when they actually really tell you how they're feeling, you know, it's like, wow, okay. And that feeling of like, maybe I'm not alone or wow, that person trusts me enough to, you know, be vulnerable with me.
1: Yeah. And that's how I feel like I know that I have an actual true, real relationship with this individual when I know I can talk in those ways to them.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I get it. I like that's kind of like the blessing in disguise with, you know, with being on lockdown right now. Um, I find myself that, I, that I'm reaching out to family and friends that normally I wouldn't talk to on such a regular basis. And it's really made me reflect and, and, and think like, wow, I really thought like I was so busy just doing like just a busy day-to-day work, you know, of life. And when it was just, it's, it's just not the real, it's not the real thing. Stuff of life—the real stuff of life—is like our interpersonal relationships, and um, i feel definitely got like grown mine during these times.
1: I love hearing that because that's my working definition or one of my definitions of mental health is having solid relationships that can allow for that. And I, I love what you just said. This time where we're self-isolating, it's allowing us to really check in on the, the health and the depth of the relationship we have with those around us. And not to shame that. I want our listeners to know that if you're realizing I don't have those kinds of friends in my life, take this time to build those or to, like I said, push on those boundaries and go deeper with those people that are around you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, you know, for me, for me personally, I, I've I've learned something really important about my about my behavior. You know, since we've been on lockdown, is that like it's hard for me to um, make pick up the phone and reach out to a friend that I haven't spoken to in a while because I feel like I don't want, I don't want to bug them, right? Like I don't want to bother them. And you know, when I actually push myself to make that call or you know connect with FaceTime. Um, I realized I'm really I'm not bothering them. Like that was just as awesome like for them too and it, and you really get what you give and um and I just I real I really love that I've like connected with with that part of, of life again, you know, and with people, you know, back back before there were iPhones, like we used to, you know, have to actually sit on our landline and talk to people, but that's what we did and <laughs>
1: Some people don't know what you're talking about right now.
0: (laughs) I know, I know, I just totally dated myself.
1: (laughs) What's a landline? They're saying, but but yeah, we used to have to. We it it was a different experience. We had to actually listen. We actually picked up the phone. We're now we just fire off these texts. Um, Right. But again, like the beauty of having those friends that will share openly, it again, it lets you know that we can go back to them when we need to share openly because so many people present as though they are doing well and all is fine. And if we don't actually stop and say, how are you? How is your mental health? And that's why I try to use that word. How is your mental health? It's so direct. It it lets them know that it's something that's important to you to know about, to hear about.
0: I agree. I love that too. I think I'm going to steal that from you. Please, please. yeah, because it's, it's it is very direct, but it's also it's very compassionate and caring, and it it I feel like it'll generate authentic uh, authenticity from the. Person you're
1: speaking to. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. Love line. Love, 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 line. Line. love line, love Line, Love Line, This is Love Line with Dr. Chris. On Channel Q. Joined by Talinda Bennington. Um, let's talk about music, the impact music can have. How can music, do you think, help us with our mental health? I mean, it's such a powerful force. It plays such an integral role to so many people's lives. I know your life has been completely surrounded by music. What what responsibility do you think music has or what role can can music play?
0: Well, I think, I think music plays such a huge role in so many ways for, for everybody. Um, it's a very personal experience, I think. And, um, you know, a, a song can often like lift my mood or, or, you know, make me feel sad again, or, or you know, make me remember something. And I think that's, that's so powerful. I mean, I, I don't really know many other things that can really trigger, um, you know, the depth of, of, the, of your emotions.
1: Yeah, music is such a beautiful companion and it can often lift us or drop us deeper. Um, it can also sometimes, I think for some people, just be a form of self-care where they just disconnect from the world and connect to music.
0: For sure. I mean, it, oftentimes... Um, You know, you hear how um, The words of a song Connected with somebody And and helped them um, Get through a moment I think that's, like, those stories Are so beautiful to hear That somebody out there Like, wrote something from From their heart And had the guts to actually Like, make that public And then for it to help somebody Else All the way across the world Is just One of the most beautiful things. It's so powerful. And, um, you know, the importance of music in in our lives can never be understated.
1: Wow. And so true because, you know, your late husband, Chester Bennington, I am and was a huge fan and he often wrote music that did that for me where I couldn't put into words an experience I was having or struggling with and his music did that for me. Made me feel less alone, gave me languaging. I mean, what a powerful tool that can be.
0: Oh, absolutely. I would, I would oftentimes ask him what the lyrics like were about. Um, like, what experience, do you know, like, or did you write that about this or that? And he would he would just say, I just wrote it. it. It's going to connect with whoever listens to it. However, they they need to connect to it. And I always thought that was super special. Um, and he would never talk about um, like where songs came from, like that. He would never say, This is what this song means. Like he would never give. Like he would never box in his lyrics. Um, I mean, aside from like the song he wrote for our wedding. You know, but like every aside from that, like he just wouldn't box in because he knew that he instinctively knew that by boxing in a song with his what his definition of it was, would be might you know keep somebody out from connecting with it, and I, I just thought that was so just so amazing and so just powerfully aware.
1: Yeah, it speaks. It speaks to his his genius. And let's speak more to that. I mean, a song just came out sometimes by Gray Days, and you know, digging deep, I, I learned that that was something he wrote at eighteen. The lyrics to that. Yeah. Wow.
0: He did. Yeah, he did. You know, the music always poured out of Chester. So, you know, I wish I wish like iPhones and voice members were around when he was young. Like how how we have them now because i think that we'd have a lot more insight as to where how creative he was from you know probably so much younger
1: yeah and uh let's talk a little bit about the release of the song what does that mean for you personally
0: um well i'm it 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 personally it, it makes me smile it it i know that it was something really special um to Chester, and that he wanted the grade A's music out. He wanted. He was really looking forward to uh, re-recording it, and you know, playing some one-off gigs with his his old bandmates. Um, and the fact that you know, Sean made made the record come out is, and, and did it in such an authentic way. is It's just really heartwarming, and it does make me smile.
1: Oh, and, and again, you know, his his music, obviously, and, and the impact he's had on all of us lives on. But it, it's nice for the fans to have some new things released to just kind of give us something new to tap into, feel some new feelings. So um, I, we're always thankful that you're part of helping that process continue.
0: Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Thank you. Yeah. I, I really hope that, you know, the Grady's music, you know, touches people and helps them through any times they're having or is part of you know um a happy memory of chester you know maybe they can think of chester being so young and and being so passionate even then about what he was doing and 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 singing and writing
1: beautiful and let's talk for a second about what's coming up uh may 8th through the 10th the 320 festival it's pretty comprehensive and well-rounded can you walk us through all the different elements and what to expect
0: yeah, thanks for asking. Um, we're really, really excited about it. Um, the festival was supposed to be an outdoor in-person event, but sadly, because the world is shut down, we, we've had to take it online. But again, I think it's a blessing in disguise because so many people um, are just home and they, they need some to, to be able to plug into any kind of topics starting mental health. Um, and we have a, a wide variety of panels, educational panels. We have comedians, great speakers, um, social media influencers, um, musical performances, and it's 21 hours of programming, which is quite ambitious, <laughs> but um, it's going to be put over three days, and there's a comprehensive schedule. If you go to 320festival.com, you can see the schedule and the, and the lineup. So you if you want to tune into the, the panel about parenting during, you know, during teen years and and or with you know addiction or I mean you you name it, we have so many different topics being discussed. You can you can tune in and um and and get get that opportunity to connect i I really just love the idea of it all
1: thank you so much for both everything you're doing and also for your time thank you very much
0: well i want to say thank you right back and you know thanks for keeping the conversation going and and being a part of this you're doing great work
1: Thank you to Linda Bennington Have a great night Thank you so much
0: Loveline
1: With Dr. Chris On Channel Q Alright It's that time of the night A little DM action Slide into them Sliding into the DMs Sliding into the DMs Is brought to you by Our friends at Trojan Condoms Cause it's a big old sexy world And we want you To explore confidence Alright here we go we got, a, we got a little baby question Over here uh, Let's start with this one Hey Dr. Chris I keep seeing on my timeline people sharing a post that says it's not about homosexuality or heterosexuality. It's about promoting sexuality period. Let kids be kids. And so many people feel this way. Can you explain why this thinking is problematic? I have to like wrap my head around what you're saying here somehow like I'm reading it a couple of times. I'm still not clear. I haven't seen this post. So I'm going to reread again what the post says. It's not about homosexuality or heterosexuality. It's about promoting sexuality period. Let kids be kids. Um, I'm not really sure what you're asking or what the struggle is, but let me say it like this. Sexuality does exist for kids. Uh, there are erections shown in utero you can derive pleasure from touching your sexual anatomy from birth sexuality exists through our lifespan I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging the sexuality um, of children I think it's okay to talk to kids about people dating same sex opposite sex talking about the correct terminology for their bodies and talking about the fact that yeah touching your body sometimes drives pleasure for you and so I'm assuming you're talking about the hyper sexualization of children uh i don't really know so that's my answer all right moving on to the next one ah hey dr chris i'm asking this at midnight on a saturday so who knows if you'll ever see it or answer it, but i need your advice i like those questions my boyfriend and i worked together at a restaurant a guy got hired that i hooked up with seven years ago in high school he's now my best friend's baby daddy my boyfriend knows we hooked up because it's a small town yikes uh, and he was asking about him and he was saying it'll be weird working with him because our girls are best friends And I said oh you guys might actually even get along cuz he's pretty cool. And then World War 3 He said I'm disrespectful. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't say that someone hooked up with his cool. It's so messed up He said he can't get past how disrespectful I am. Should I apologize and stop the argument? I didn't say he was hot or amazing and better or anything like that Something wrong with me for being stubborn, not apologizing for someone I hooked up with seven years ago. Oh my gosh, you guys. This is one of those ones. Seven years ago, you hooked up with someone and you're currently with someone and all's well, and you love each other and trust each other. And this other person has a girlfriend and a child and they're a threat. Listen, we got to let go of the idea that It should be triggering that people have a sexual history prior to meeting us. Everyone does generally. It's part of sexual development. It's acceptable. Um, If someone says that they're cool and you might get along, that's an even more powerful sign that all's well and that we can all be friends. My God. Yeah, be friends with this person. I don't think it's disrespectful. Um, So, mm, you know, again, here, look. Intent and impact both matter. So although there's nothing wrong with the concept your boyfriend's feelings were hurt. Attend to that part. Hey, I'm sorry that what I said hurt your feelings. I really care about you. I love you. I don't like knowing that you're hurt. And what I said, I actually stand behind. I still think it's okay for me to acknowledge that the person I hooked up with eight years ago, seven years ago, who's not a threat because we love each other and all's well, um, that you guys might get along and you might be able to be friends. Like I actually like the concept of people being friends with other people's exes or hookups. Like, oof, especially if you live in a small town. Um, Yeah. Well, you can still tend to his feelings, right? The intent was good, but the impact was his feelings were hurt. You can kind of hold both. Um, yeah. All right. Slide and CDMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. And we want you to explore with confidence. Well, y'all, that's our show. Thanks for hanging out with me. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Guys, have an awesome night. See you tomorrow. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q.